this? Ugh, this is so boring. What else is on? Welcome to a brand new episode of Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, an animation podcast for geeky girl experience. I'm Hope Molinax, and I make my friend Chris Honeywell watch my favorite animated shows. In this episode, Dipper, Mabel, and Seuss must travel through Grunkle Stan's mine to defeat a tricky demon named Bill Cipher. We're talking about Gravity Falls Dreamscaperers this week. Hi, Chris. I'm so Hello. excited about this episode. I am so excited about this episode. I started the outline last week, and I've just been just waiting to talk about this episode. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's quite an episode. It's quite an episode. <laughs> just a little bit of housekeeping, though, even though this will be quite belated. Today is August 31st. We are recording this on the 31st of August. So I just want to say happy belated birthday to Dipper and Mabel. Their birthdays are today, and I, I saw somebody do the math, and they're apparently, like, 21 today if, from the time that the show started. So if this started in, like, 2012, they'd be, I think, somebody who did said that they would be 21 today, so have a drink on us, Dipper and Mabel. Wow. <laughs> no, that's such a weird thing, because the show lasted, like, four years, so are they going, I am assuming they're going by the time of when the show started versus when it ended. <laughs> it took four years to put out the two seasons? Yep, because Disney is fucking dumb. Wow, I'm really glad we're doing it this way. They um would do like a few episodes at a time. Like I I've, I mentioned in the notes before, but they they would have really long hiatuses. Put th- this is the best example. The finale is broken into three parts. Between part one and part two to part three was a six month hiatus between oh, part two and part three. It was stupid. Actually, it might have been a little bit shorter. It might have been four months. But it was still, like, an unreasonable amount of time between, like, this was Disney's flagship show for a really good while. And so they wanted to, like, milk every penny out of it, especially because they went to Alex and they were they were begging Alex to do a third season. And he was like, no, I, it has a beginning, a middle, and the end. This is a two-season show. I'm not doing it. And so he wanted to end the show on his terms, which is something I totally respect from him. And, and Disney was begging him for a third season. So they milked this as much as they could, and they stretched the two seasons over four years. Did they ever talk about doing, a, like, a movie or something like that? Um, there's several books. Um, there's a comic that came out, and it has um, some stories that took place during the course of the show, but it also has stories that took place after the show. So that has come out. In the journal number three, when we get to the final episode, there is an epilogue in journal number three that kind of like wraps stuff up as well. But I, I would actually love a movie. I I think I, I would love to see like what happens like Christmas break or the next summer because the show takes place over the course of a summer. So I would love to have like this is the next summer when they come to visit or stuff. But I really can't explain why without spoiling you. I, I understand. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, fans want it. Uh, it's actually kind of funny because the way that season one of Owl House ended, it ended in a way where I was like, are they going to do a tie-in with Gravity Falls? Because <laughs> Dana Terrace, who's the creator of Owl House, was a storyboard artist for 
Gravity Falls, and Alex Hirsch is voices two of the characters on the show. So it actually has roots in Gravity Falls, and I'm just watching yeah. this going, are they doing a crossover? <laughs> what is happening here? <laughs> in May, I can't do anything else without spoiling the finale of Owl House, too, and I can't explain why, because then it would spoil Gravity Falls for you. <laughs> so, but I, I did have that thought, so yeah. You doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good, too. You want to get into dreamscaperers? Yeah, I like this one. I'm sure you did. Okay, so you did like this one. This is what I was expecting from the get-go. This is what I was sort of thinking it was going to be like from descriptions of it. And I guess it is what it is like, but it's it's at the two-parter end of the first season. Yeah, it just took a turn. <laughs> yep, yep. And I will tell you this, it will not turn back. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're not turning back from this, yeah. Can I go ahead and tell you the kicker that's in the connections to previous episodes? For okay. Bill Cipher's been in every episode up to this point. Just sort of depicted in on something? Ways. Yeah. In different ways, yeah. <laughs> we'll get there, but you know how the Mystery Shack has, like, all the triangle windows and... And, like, has, like, the A and the shack on the front side has an eye in the middle of it. And then you see trees with eyes. Like, um, uh-huh. there's actually a carpet in the gift shop that has uh, a triangle with an eye on it. That's all supposed to represent Bill. Bill is always watching them. So, uh, but he's also been in pictures throughout every episode, too. <laughs> so we'll get there. But I just, I love that kicker of Bill's been in every single episode up to this point. <laughs> and that's not counting the little flash at the end of the title screen either. You ready? I am ready. <clears throat> Dreamscaperers is the 19th episode of Gravity Falls, and it aired on July 12, 2013. It was written by Tim McKeon, Matt Chapman, and Alex Hirsch. The directors were John Aoshima and Joe Pitt, and the storyboard artists were Matt Braley and David Gimmel. There's a lot of extra information for you. Here we go. Bill Cipher is voiced by Alex Hirsch. Alex Hirsch also voices another demon named King in the Owl House. But also, Bill Cipher makes a cameo in the Owl House in the episode The Intruder. King is teaching Luce about demons in the demon realm of that show. And you can see on a post-it note in the top of the board a little picture of Bill Cipher. Bill has also made cameos in Rick and Morty. One I can't tell you about because it's a spoiler, but the other one is he appears on a computer monitor during the episode Big Trouble in Little Sanchez. David Lynch of Twin Peaks fame was originally offered to voice Bill, but when he declined the offer, Alex Hirsch took over the role with a, doing a bad impression of him. I agree. I would never have... I, I see sort of... He, uh, he's almost doing a bad impression of david lynch and twin peaks his character in twin peaks was like three quarters deaf so he yelled everything (laughs) but the delivery yeah the delivery is very different yeah xyler is voiced by john roberts he is best known as linda on bob's burgers kraz is voiced by greg sipes i think it's sipes i think i'm pretty sure it's sipes Along with being a professional surfer, his other works include Ben 10, the new run of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and he's the voice of Beast Boy on both Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go. The British Dog Man is voiced by the great Clancy Brown. Yes. His other works include The Shawshank Redemption, Starship Trooper, 
Thor Ragnarok and TV shows such as Sleepy Hollow, The Voice of Mr. Krabs on SpongeBob, and for us Star Wars lovers, Savajo Press and Ryder Azadi in Star Wars, and so much more. Bill is older than the universe. In fact, he is older than time itself, as he is at least one trillion years old. It is implied in the Gravity Falls universe that the Eye of Providence is modeled after him rather than the other way around. In an earlier version, Bill made his first appearance to Dipper in a dream. They actually showed this storyboard reel at a panel, and you can actually watch it on YouTube. And it's a lot of fun because it's actually voiced by the cast. They're like doing like a PowerPoint, and uh, the cast is actually voicing the scene. It's a really fun watch. The spell that Gideon uses to summon Bill roughly translates from Latin. It means, Triangle, I invoke you! I come to the defensive barrier of the mind, and I will see the barrier destroyed. But when he falls to his knees and his eyes are glowing, he starts shouting something intelligible. When played backwards, he says, Backwards message, backwards message, backwards message, backwards message, backwards message. Absolutely, you're such a funny bitch. When Dipper chants the spell to go into Stan's mind, it's a series of nonsense but very common Latin phrases like habeas corpus. Um, and it, none of them really mean anything other than just being random Latin phrases. But there is one part of the chant that says, Inceptus Nolanus overratus. When it's translated, it says, Inception by Nolan is overrated. Well, there goes one of my notes. <laughs> In one shot, okay, this is in production art, by the way. In production art, it, uh, one of the shots of the hallway in the mindscape of the Ministry Shack and Stan's mind, there was a cipher carved into a wall. When it was decoded, it said, Curse you, Marilyn. However, in the actual episode, this message has been edited out. That's because Marilyn is a character that is never seen in show. Marilyn is Stan's ex-wife, who divorced, divorced him after 48 hours of marriage. I actually had to go back and change that. Alex Hirsch's grandfather, Stan, whom Stan Pines is based off of, had a wife named Marilyn. And finally, several images are flashed on Bill's body when he says he knows lots of things. Lots of things. Minus things that are actually hints for future episodes. These include John F. Kennedy, a photo of three UFOs flying, a zoomed-in image of the Mayan calendar, an image of journal number three, a NASA lunar lander on the moon next to an American flag, a close-up of a skull next to a lit candle, Stonehenge, the pyramids of Giza, Stan entering the secret code in the vending machine, the Bigfoot-like creature in the made title theme, part of the Zodiac, and this is the, the Gravity Falls Zodiac, which is Bill's wheel that we have in our, we'll talk about when we get to our predictions corner, <laughs> an enlarged image of a crop circle, Trimbley's Co. from A Rational Treasure, Nathaniel Northwest's statue, a zoomed-in image of the stamp from the main title, the Gravity Falls Maximum Security Prison, and then it repeats the UFOs and the Mayan calendar. So, Chris, what was your favorite part of the episode, and what Jimmy your jams? Oh, I like Grandpa the Kid. Hey, Grandpa the Kid! I'm tired during the day. There's favorite things in my ep- in this episode more in the, my notes, but these are just the little touches. I like the giant dead rat in the kitchen. Uh-huh. What? 
There's a giant dead rat in the kitchen the whole time. You can always just see its feet and tail sticking. It's laying on the table on its back with how its feet have, up, feet up in the air and a tail hanging down off the table. How have I watched this episode like hundreds of times and never noticed there's a dead rat in the kitchen on the table? You see it from at least two different angles. Oh I thought God. it was the bat at first, but then I'm like, no, that's a big giant dead rat. Oh my God, how have I never seen this? I'm going to have to go back and look for the dead rat. And I had a third one, which was the stand crab. I like the stand crab. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I will give you, because uh, Stan's from Jersey, and we see that in his, in the nightmare, in the memory of him getting bullied in the schoolyard, because behind him on the wall it says Jersey Vultures. So um, that is a little nod that uh, Stan is originally from Jersey. The crab? So. No, no, like Stan himself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Makes he's sense. a... So, I, I will give you that because in the episode, you can actually see that on signs in the background that he's from Jersey. So, so there's lots of like, little crabbies and stuff. Um, I also had Grandpa the Kid as one of my favorite parts. I just love the line, I'm tired during the day. I relate to this because I do too. Absolutely took a nap today. I just love everything about Stan's Mindscape. Um, I love how it's black and white. And there's just like little things that, you know, like trash. And there's trash in the yard, yard, like his armchair. You have broken swing sets. I like that the eight ball of his cane is the quote unquote sun, but everything's distorted. It's just a really cool design, like all the way around. And I love everything about Xyler and Kraz. Just everything about them. And, like, when they break into that, like, little 80s dance, like, that is such an 80s, 90s cartoon thing of just breaking into They were basically, the... like, Bill and Ted mixed with Gem and the Holograms or something like that. I know, but, like, they did so good because I always remember that part of, like, you know, Scooby-Doo, like, things where they have, like, the, the same dances with, like, yeah. they use, like, every episode. Like, so they could recycle the... The animation frames, sure. <laughs> yeah, and everything out of their mouth, just like, we are moving. I also like that we're moving. Like, just stuff like that. They're so funny. Um, and I just love the... There, there's one that I was like, nice, come back, Mabel. Don't treat me like a child, Siler. <laughs> just everything about them. Where do you want to start? In the notes. Oh, I guess I should say we uh, Home Makes Chris Watch Cartoons is always broken into sections. I'm sorry. I'm just so excited to talk about this episode. Part one is story themes and character. Part two will be part two will be a different journal entry, and the journal entries this week are real great. Part three it will be Chris's speculation and theories corner, and part four will be connections to previous episodes. Where do you want to start, Chris? Yes. Do you want to start with? Well, why don't we just start with Bill? What are your thoughts on Bill's cipher? Well, it's the first real threatening uh, threat that we've had. Like he's a he's a, a pretty pretty flat out metaphysical horror character, complete with body horror of like ripping out deer teeth. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's 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 very tw- he's very Twin Peaks. And I could see why he would want David Lynch to to voice him. And it would have been very different. Like, the way Alex Hirsch voices him, he gives him a doofy sort of... It's it's more like a malevolent SpongeBob sort of thing, you know, like... (laughs) You know what I mean? He's, he's, He's kind of like... It's kind of like I was like, he's 
I mean, if he's a trillion years old, he's presenting that voice to sound less threatening. I immediately doubt like the, their victory over him in stand if he's a trillion years old. So he must be just toying with them. Because Alex Hirsch also voices the Demon King on the Owl House. It's fun because he's pretty much using his his Bill Cipher voice to voice King as well. Um, the only thing with King is King is so much cuter because he's kind of like this dog cat thing. So it's like really, really, really cutesy Bill Cipher voice for the Owl House. And I, I just like that like both of his demons have very similar voices. And I, w- I kind of would love to see like a running theme of if Alex Hirsch continues to voice demons, they all kind of sound like Bill Cipher. I think that'd be a funny running gag among any shows that he does. So. He's he's a little like uh, Superman villain, Mr. Mitzelplick, too. Oh, yeah, he is. You know, you got to get Mr. Mitzelplick to say his name, go back into his dimension. I, I just want to go ahead and say from the start, like, this is obviously the most important episode of season one for sure. I will say also, this was my personal favorite episode well into season two. There is one episode in season two that trumped this one. But this was, for a long, long time, my favorite episode. So I've seen this episode so many times. Yeah, I would say this is my favorite episode so far. This is what I was expecting from the beginning. And maybe I shouldn't have expected this kind of stuff from the beginning. But I wasn't expecting it to, after seeing 18 episodes of what it was, I didn't expect it to go this far into weirdness. I mean, I've seen weirder. (laughs) It's no Twin Peaks. But it... You know, like um, like when um, Bill Cipher's like, I've seen things, and you see the flash of things. That's like conspiracy theory 101 pictures, you know, of... Uh, JFK you know. and UFOs and crop right, circles. Right, crop circles, right. It's it's just like a, it's like a Google image search almost of, like, paranormal stuff, UFOs. But there's also some stuff that's in here that's pretty crazy. I Before we go into the crazy stuff, I do want to know, I think that's what makes this episode so unique is because up to this point everything has been so like even for gravity falls in a way kind of grounded like they've set up these rules of like mermen and manators and stuff like that but it makes sense in the rules of gravity falls in this town this is a weird town and it has its own set of rules and, and they're, and they're kind of comedy cryptids you know yeah, and, and that's a good point. They're all, like, based on cryptids and stuff like that, or magical creatures. And then you get to this episode, and Bill is not in the same rule book as everything else in Gravity Falls. It's a completely different thing. No, Bill, Bill is different. an ancient interdimensional creature. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's where it absolutely changes everything. And there's and, and I think that's what makes this such a unique thing. And I, I personally, I love trickster villains, like... I, they're always been some of my favorite kinds of villains. Like, he reminds me a lot of, this is a throwback to me being, like, 10. But one of my favorite villains that still sticks with me to this day is Piedmon from Digimon. The original first season of Digimon. There's a character named Piedmon. And he's just this trickster OP clown. And he is this murderous clown. And I've loved him since I was a child. And Bill reminds me of him. And I've always loved these kind of trickster villains. Um, and I love the stereotype so much, 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 much. His okay. name is close to like the the one of the oldest like horror movie hack names for the devil, which would be Lewis Cipher or Lou Cipher. There was oh, did I write that note down? There's actually a note about I his don't know. name. 
and I didn't write it down because it was it was all like like four part of what his name could like comes from. I didn't write it down. Damn it! Oh wait, I'm on the bill page of Wikipedia. Don't ever go on this page, Chris. By the way. <laughs> okay, I won't. Not till after. Yeah, I think you would have a lot of fun. Oh yeah, here we go. Uh, his name is a combination of Bill, referring to the Eye of Providence, which appears on dollar bills, and Cipher, right. which is a form of cryptograms. His name may also be an allusion to Beale, B-E-A-L-E, Cipher, a set of uh-huh. three cipher texts, which allegedly states the location of buried treasure worth over $3 million in September 2007. It also may be a reference to the name Lou Cipher, Lucifer, here you go, and Bill Zabub, Bill Zabub, yeah. which are common synonyms for Satan. Being a demon based on the eye of providence, Bill Cipher could also be seen as a reference to the Illuminati, a popular yeah. gag in pop culture. There you go. Yeah, it's all in there. That's what happens when I... I, I almost put that, that note in there for you, but I was like, this is reading really long enough. So you were saying earlier that this took a turn for weird that you weren't expecting. Um, what were some of those turns that you were not expecting? We're getting into, this is more into metaphysical stuff. You know, metaphysical horror. I mean, the dream, dreamscapers was more, more, it was, what I love about it is they were just like, yeah, dreamscape is better than Inception, which I, I, would, I would argue for that. You're, you're talking and about the movie Dreamscape, The right? movie Dreamscape, yeah. Like, I mean, this is obviously more modeled after Dreamscape than Inception. And Dreamscape was a what much wackier, and not as metaphysical. This is getting into, like, weird, you know, like, Ordo Temporalis magic stuff where you, you're opening triangular portals into another dimension and stuff for stuff to fly through which i have a story about that oh tell me a story do you want to hear about my triangular portal absolutely i watched a try i watched a triangular portal for about two hours what yeah my friend when i lived way out in the country we were we were very close to a military base if that means anything to the story but and uh it probably was happening around where the military base was but uh we were we were out at night finishing up his chores that i used to go up there and do his chores with him just out of boredom my friend carl okay he he lived at the far on the farm up the street from us and uh so i would go up there at night and we do and sometimes and do the chores with him and hang out with him we saw three lights in the sky just lit up in a triangle and they were like flashes of light going between the edges of the triangle would light up but it wasn't like a laser or anything it was kind of filmy and 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 smoky but it was a straight line between all of them and it did that for a while and then we couldn't see any stars were in the triangle of the three light there were stars all around it and it was just black where the triangle was and then little dots of light kept flying out of the triangle and flying away is this a bit? Are you trolling me? No, this is a true story. And Are you then, serious? Yeah, and then and I, I mean, we we sat out there. We got his par- We were out there for two hours watching it, and his parents would come out and brought us popcorn and like, <laughs> soda and stuff, and sat out, watched it with us for a little while. And his dad was just like, "It's just something they're doing over Fort Drum, you know. It's probably flares." And we're like, "Yeah, but don't, but fl-, you know, we'd seen plenty of flares. Flares." just dropped from the sky 
They're on a little parachute and they drop from the sky. This was a triangle that just sat in the air with things flying out of it for a couple hours. And then like 10 years later, when I was in college, I was talking to one of my buddies who lived yeah, probably about four miles away from where we were. And he was describing his family watching the same thing, but from a different angle. Whoa. Which would have been about the right angle. So, yeah. So I've That's seen insane. my I have seen my own tri- triangular portal. So I'm I wasn't too blown away by Gravity Falls, man. I've been there, man. <laughs> you saw your own bill. I've I've been to the triangular portal, and the the funny thing is, is I we were both like you know fans of science fiction movies and stuff, and I don't remember like going berserk over it. I remember we just sat there watching it. How old were you? Ten, something like that. Yeah. No, it wasn't like five or six or anything. It was, uh, I mean, it, we watched it for long enough that it's not one of those things is like, do I remember that right? You know? <laughs> yeah. Like we you watched there, it for we hours. We were sitting there drawing pictures of it and stuff. That's crazy. Wow. <laughs> Nothing like that has ever happened to me. I'm not cool like you. I, well, I, I, yeah, well, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> Gotta go live near a military base, I guess. Apparently. <laughs> this sounds like that episode of Sherlock with the uh, the Hounds of the Baskerville where they were like doing experimentations and stuff. So I, I'm I'm saving other stories because I don't know what's gonna what else will happen in Gravity Falls. So Yeah. I got I got some other weird stories from that time period. So what what do you think about Stan's like dreamscape? Like, in, was there anything that, like, stuck out to you in particular? Or would that be in your speculations corner? There's one in my speculation corner. Okay, save that one. Um, although, from my speculation corner, I just got one of my speculations, which was we would see little kids stand. We had to see, we had to see kids stand at some point in the story. That's true, you did mention that. Was that last week that you mentioned that? I think it was last week or the week before. Week. It might have been two weeks ago, I think. Something like that. It was, it was two weeks ago that we saw, like, Stan in his 20s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was... Uh, I think that's actually, what, what brought it up. And that girl, uh, Carla, that he was dancing with at the jukebox, um, that was actually the girl in this episode that he saved from the, uh, from the bully. That's a, a connection oh. to a previous so, so that's how they met, was her... Was he saved her. And then he got, like, really cool. <laughs> he went from super nerd to, like, beefy hunky with Carla. Yeah, this got into all kinds of interesting ideas, like lucid dreaming. <laughs> this this takes like a, a definitely an episode for a couple rewatches. There's the, a lot of details. The whole um, you can do whatever you want inside Stan's mind is is sort of from dreamscape, but it's also a thing of of lucid dreaming. Mm-hmm. That like if if you're dreaming and you realize that you're dreaming, you can basically do whatever you want in your dream. You know, you can control your 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 reality yeah and maybe they had more power over cypher because he was summoned and they were inside stan's mind yeah it it's it just was throwing a ton of concepts out there i mean gravity falls is all you know monsters and dinosaurs and a mechanical sea monster and stuff like that this is all this is all inside your mind stuff it's almost uh it's more it's more david lynch like than like lovecraftian but it's in the same sort of there's some 
Lovecraftian idea. I mean, this the this, this truly like in that earlier episode where we saw more of Gideon's home life. This is like where we've taken a step into real horror. You know, Bill Cipher is like I don't think the kids realize it. Probably think of Bill Cipher as just another you know monster of the week monster that they <laughs> that they beat and stuff, but. He's of a different level, and now we're starting to get people that that know stuff, <laughs> you know. Together. They're, 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 yeah, and they're and there's starting to be a theme of like something's going on. There's tangible things to figure out. So that I mean, there hasn't been tangible. He gives them a prophecy, right? And this, he like holds up his hand, and we see the the same hand that's on the journal, and he's like, "A time is coming where everything you know will change." He gives them a prophecy, like, right there at the end of the fight. And he, you know, there's, we see the six-fingered hand from the journal uh, hovering over him. Right. That's the easiest prophecy to give in, <laughs> in the <laughs> a world. A time though. is coming where everything you know will change. Yeah. Well, that's called puberty. So. <laughs> yeah. Puberty oh, falls. yeah, 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 yeah. They, they have, yeah, they have probably at least five or six more of those in their lives. So, <laughs> you know. I mean, you know, he was just full. Of, like, I, I think the uh, like st- saying stuff like the the universe is a hologram is pretty. <laughs> this is all an illusion, and the universe is a hologram is just something he's he slipped in there. But that might be right. <laughs> I just, I, I, the scientific I just theory behind that. <laughs> I was actually just laughing at the whole thing of like Bill just being like, everything you know will change. Dipper just being like, yeah, I have no a mustache shit. growing in. <laughs> That'd be great. Look under my arms, man. And Zeus is just like, oh, I'm still changing. <laughs> that could have been a great joke. I <laughs> like how they acknowledge how smart Zeus is, though, in this one. I have that note, too. <laughs> I was like, I like that Bill was just like, you know, that guy is more clever than he looks. And I was like, good for you for giving yeah. Zeus the credit he deserves. So I, I just do, I like, even though he's not, like, in the episode that much, I do want to touch on Gideon for, like, half a second. I like seeing him ramping up his efforts. But the, the nice thing, I think, for me of Gideon this episode is he realizes how quickly he's in over his own head. And that there are things much scarier than Gideon out there. When, so far this season, it's been kind of framing Gideon as, like, the big bad. And... When when he meets Bill, at first, like he's immediately terrified, and and it's this kind of idea of, oh, what have I brought? <laughs> yeah. Oh, if if Bill showed him like uh, uh, just a flash of his true form, he'd probably reduce him to gibbering madness. You know. Uh huh. That's my my theory. <laughs> I just wanted to say gibbering madness. <laughs> oh, Chris. You don't even know how close you got to something else that has nothing to do with Gideon. <laughs> oh, Chris. No, this sort of story, this sort of story begs some gibbering madness in the in the in the future. And probably some tentacles too. There'll probably be tentacles before this is all over. Though I, I do like Gideon at the end. I I just the whole like Oh, the dream demon filled me. Well, fuck the dream demon. I'm just gonna blow their house up. <laughs> why? You know, why would your first plan not be dynamite and summoning a demon when, like, obviously, you know, what's every story about demons? 
every rule about demons is like demons extract their price and stuff and like dynamite extracts its price if you stay in the room with the dynamite but otherwise just go blow up the i mean that ended up being the effective uh method of 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 going about the whole thing yeah that's actually i do want to touch on that um because so this is a very faustian story you know that like if we really want to go into like faustus and uh, mephistopheles um of dr faust is making the 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 deal with mephistopheles to live like Mm. his best life and stuff like that and then at the end mephistopheles who was a demon um took his price um do you think that there is going to be a price for gideon Oh, oh oh yeah for sure for sure Gideon's marked <laughs> by Lucifer. <laughs> Lucifer <laughs> by by yeah. Now I'm gonna do a bit. Now I'm gonna grunkle Rex him all the time by Who Bill Cipher. By Bill Cipher. Lucifer is Robert De Niro in the movie Angel Heart, actually. Oh. <laughs> and he plays the devil. Ah, okay. I don't know if he ever says it, but he's the devil. It also has Lisa Bonet. From the Cosby show in it. But um oh yeah. I mean get Gideon I mean Gideon is build I mean if we if we go for traditionally what happens to people that are like Gideon, there's some sort of karmic retribution coming. And when and if it's going to be because he's making deals with demons you know that de- well actually bill cipher kind of screwed up the whole gideon thing so gideon like on the contract end of it might get away clean but yeah. you get you on the bad side of- you don't want to get on the bad side of a trillion year old interdimensional creature that you couldn't possibly understand that's yeah. all i got to say so until we get to speculations and theories do you have anything else about bill yeah he- there's elements of him that remind me of some underground comics like Robert Williams and stuff like that. His whole character and his whole idea and stuff are just a, a quantum leap in paranormal stuff for this show. All the characters are tangible things. He is a, like a concept. He's, he's literally represented by a symbol. He's just a symbol. As far as like a paranormal show goes... This is having some stuff on level with, say, the X-Files, you know, rather than Scooby-Doo. It's gone from Scooby-Doo to X-Files now, as far as kid shows go. God, I would have loved to have been a 10-year-old kid watching this show. You know, I'm 52. I, I, like, all these concepts in this are are stuff I've read about in books over the years, because I love that sort of stuff. But, like, if I was 10 years old watching this... Like the concepts that just got introduced in this one episode would, I would be so, uh, at the same point, I would be so angry having to wait <laughs> four to six months for episodes because those were. Welcome to the Gravity Falls fandom, Chris. Well, at least you were an adult. At least you were a little kid when it was happening because that six months is like, like what? Like probably feels like, like three years to us, oh, yeah. to us adult, adultons. But to um, the little shavers, oh my god, it must have, it, I, would have, I would have gone nuts. I would have gone berserko. I guess you could just go and, like, watch all the episodes over and over again. But I would, go, I would be... Did, like, scraping together looking for clues and codes and, you know, looking for hidden meanings and stuff. Like, it was, I, because that was a thing. Like, I was a mid-20s something when this came out. Like, when I watched this. 
And so when there was time between episodes and stuff like that, like that's when it came out that someone goes, went, um, actually it was, it was earlier in the season. Uh, Bill's original name was Mr. Triangle Guy because somebody had noticed him earlier in the season. And they're like, what's that Mr. Triangle Guy? And then somebody else noticed him. And then people started going back through during hiatuses and finding him in all the episodes. And people were like, oh, the Mr. Triangle Guy is a really big deal. So, like, that's that's what the Gravity Falls uh, fandom did was we, like, picked through, like, every tiny, like, detail right. of everything and to see, like, what was right. And then, of course, the Zodiac gets dropped here. And we we'd already, had already seen the Zodiac being the big wheel with all the symbols on it that flashes when Bill leaves. That was at the end of the title sequence. Every episode, it flashes for a quick moment. But, like, now that we saw it with Bill, like, that's when everything else absolutely exploded even more. <laughs> because there are very clear symbols on there. And Bill specifically calls Seuss, Mabel, and Dipper's very specific names. Um, which is Pine Tree's Shooting Star, question mark. And he calls that to them to their face. So, like, that, like that's how he survived, like, the four to six months between episodes. Was just re-watching and reanalyzing uh, we, we know who Stan is, is Pac-Man fish. Yep, 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 yep. We will get to that. Do you want to know one funny thing about Bill, though? Um, I almost noted this, and I didn't. Um, originally, he was supposed to be the color green because uh, to match him, to make him look like the, the triangle of the Aya province on the dollar bill. But the thing is, is in production, he looked too much like a tree leaf. And he kept getting lost in the trees <laughs> when they were animating him. <laughs> he's, he's a little, now that I think about it, he's a little like the character Q in Star Trek Next Generation. Very much so. You ready to talk about kids? The kid plot? Sure. It, it's all kind of like mesh, meshed together with me. Um, Dipper is, of course, the big plot thing of this one. But I like Dipper's plot in this because it's a culmination of something we've been talking about all season. Because we were talking about how Stan has been actively bonding with Mabel. And we see this in multiple episodes. We saw it last week with her pig. We saw it in Boss Mabel. But we rarely see Dipper and Stan together. And we were talking about that in Boys Crazy when they went on the, like, Save Wendy trip. About how that was really the first time Dipper and Stan had an adventure together. So I think that made this plot work where Dipper probably does have doubts about Stan in his mind. Because he does actively see him favor his sister. So I, I kind of liked that as a culmination of everything that we've seen up to this point to make that plot work here. Yeah, and I think like with the with the information that Dipper saw, which obviously was limited, I thought Seuss was going to fill him in on the rest of what Stan said because he sort of mumbled it into Seuss's ears. Yeah, but Seuss doesn't but, let them to see the memory though. No, I mean in this episode where he was talking about Dipper and Dipper got offended. And then he goes, well, you know, in Seuss's. And later on, when he's just like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to bail out Stan again and stuff. Like, I thought they were going to resolve it by having Seuss go. He's like, I saw Stan's memory where he said, he, you know, he thinks I'm the... And Seuss would be like, dude, I was there. You know, he said that was what they said about him or something. You know, I thought it was that's how they would resolve it. But that would be a much more passive way. At least this way was yeah, a more no, active this way was a bad, it. The, the way it. The way it turned out was better, was better yeah. dramatically. Yeah, and, and I liked that too because we got to see how 
like how similar Dipper and Stan are in a lot of ways, and they might not seem like it on the surface because Stan's kind of less, like this manly man kind of guy, but they're actually really a lot more alike once we got to see some of Stan's backstory. So I, I did like that too. So can we talk about some of the, what, what did you think of some of the parts of Stan's life that we saw? What Was there any particular one that stood out to you? No, they were all, I mean, right from the beginning, the first thing it said is like, they didn't have much about his parents in there. We saw the dad. Right, but the first thing, it's almost like a um, Nightmare on Elm Street thing. Like, the first thing you see, it, like, the first note I just wrote down as soon as they walked in was like, well, broken childhood. <laughs> <laughs> There's all these, like, broken, you know, like cribs and, yeah, swing sets. So it's a super visual reference to dreamscape with the with the i think i was even describing the like spiral staircases going down into infinity and when doors you were and... talking about dreamscape last week i'm just in here going was it, you're... Nuts? Uh, it was because i'm just like you are explaining the exact plot of dreamscapers next week i, yeah, I, you, got, I mean, I, you gotta watch dreamscape sometime you i think you would get a kick out of it <laughs> especially after seeing this episode and it's crazy. It's fun. It's '80s and it's sketchy in '80s way. There's some, there's some, there's some cons- it, dream consent issues with him and his girlfriend going on in it that flew under the radar in the '80s that now would get a big like. Bleh. That's that's dreamscape. Yeah, I I am a sucker for like the like you know. There's so many. There's there's so many ways you can depict being inside someone's head. Uh, from Star Trek Rise or someone puts a hand, you know, a lot of times what people do is they'll put hands on someone's head and you'll see a sort of montage of, of images and stuff. But I love when they take the time to just make the person's head into a big old dirty house <laughs> full of, yeah. you know, doors, doors to look behind. And, and it, and it's hilarious because with Stan, the stuff that you think is like, uh, like the one that was like, do not look no matter what. And it was just him feeding his stomach crackers and stuff. <laughs> like that. You know, it's just, it's the d- dumbest stuff, but that's what he would be most ashamed about is like having someone see him talking to his stomach and feeding it crackers. You know what I like about that one the most um, is, is watching Seuss because at that time, Bill wasn't, Bill was pretending to be Seuss and you have that look on Seuss's face because it's Bill and, pretending to be serious and has this look of like is this what humans do (laughs) (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) yeah just this like look of humans but that that sort of (laughs) stuff is hilarious because it's like okay that's a really doofy thing to do and it's embarrassing but at the same time like anybody looking at into that door and seeing that would go like oh god that's embarrassing and then they would immediately think like Oh, yeah, I've done some stupid stuff. <laughs> you know, I've got some uh, some things in my memory, too. So it's like, it's not, the, the stuff that would be a big deal to him is not really that, you know, it's not like I murdered a man or something like that. I think I might, one of my favorites, because I've used this gif so many times, we get to actually see his date with Lazy Susan. And yeah. I love that one because it's just like, I gotta have a way out of here. Non-specific excuse. Ah, it just runs. <laughs> I'm like, that is the most stand thing to do. And it kind of like makes sense at the end of Dipper vs. Manliness when she's like constantly calling him because he bailed on her. <laughs> it's, it's nice to have that kind of, kind of connection, but that one's probably my favorite. 
did it drive you insane where we had that one little one of stand behind the the vending machine for half a second and and Seuss was just like this is boring and closed the door yeah well we'll get to that in my theories <laughs> so I, I do want to touch on Mabel because I actually really actually, like her uh, actually you, I don't have that in my theories actually oh, okay. never mind I can, I can talk about that I thought for I don't know why I thought I had that in my theories yeah as obviously very important because it was stated and and it was in Bill Cipher's little flash montage. So that's obviously like very important. That's that was established right at the beginning and left for people to just sort of forget about. Mm-hmm. So it's it's obviously a very a very important thing or it's going to be built up and it's going to be something so stupid like it's where he does like makes his, you know, carves duck decoys or something like that. <laughs> It's where he keeps his model train set. Yeah, and like, yeah, and nobody must see it, you know, because <laughs> they try to steal it or something like that. Yeah. I was about to make a joke, and then I realized it's kind of a spoiler. There, there well, is a dungeon. Not a, well, now I know it's not a model train set. No, no, there's there's a Dungeons and Dragons episode uh, in season two, and I was about to joke. I was like, that's where he plays Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> no. Um, there is a Dungeons and Dragons episode in season two, okay. and I must tell you that Weird Al is in it, and it's great. Excellent. Yeah, very good, very good. That's all I'll tell you. I, I do like Mabel in this episode a lot. Um, she's almost kind of in the Dipper role because Dipper is usually the one that's like keeping the story moving, but because Dipper is taking more of an emotional place, like Dipper's more in the Mabel role, like they switch. Mabel's the more logical one, and she she keeps the priorities straight. She's like, we have to save Stan. This is the adventure. We have to follow through on this adventure. While Dipper is in the more Mabel role, where he's like handling with the heart of the story, while she is t- taking care of like the brain of the story. And I like seeing them kind of swapped in this role because it's nice seeing Mabel in a leadership position, and she's making sure that everybody stays on track. And, and I like seeing their roles a little bit switched this week. I think it's a really good way to show how they've both grown. But I also like seeing just them in different places as well. Yeah, she ends up in a little more danger than she usually It's usually Dipper who's getting in the danger a little more. Yeah. And I like that moment where Seuss even calls out Dipper. He's just like, you know, you're a cool dude, but this is not cool. And that that's a really nice moment from Seuss too. Just, you know, kind of keeping Dipper emotionally in check as well. Because no matter how how mad Dipper is, like he should not be jeopardizing Stan's life, no matter how mad he is. Yeah, but he's also a pubo, so he is a pubo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why you need an adult like Seuss to, you know, be like, dude, mm-hmm. not cool. And we see it; he immediately changes. Can we talk about the fight scene at the end? It's so fun. Yeah, that's that's the lucid dream part. That that's a storyline you do like when you're in therapy and you're trying to get rid of a you know a repeating nightmare that you have. At at some point you take control of it and beat up whoever it is. It's been you know torturing you in the dream or you 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 shoot missiles at the giant Godzilla or whatever it is. There was a great comic about uh, I read when I was a kid. There was an adult comic, but there's this great underground cartoonist named Dan O'Neill. And he had uh, the same nightmare all through his childhood where he was being terrorized by, like, I, I want to say it was either Jesse James or Billy the Kid. It was Wild West Outlaws. Grandpa the Kid? <laughs> it, it was Grandpa the Kid. 
there was ruthless ruthless western outlaws and he would try to like he would try to like he would dig under the building or whatever but at the end they would always show up and and shoot him and finally somebody told him you know in your dreams you can do whatever you want it's it's your dream it's not their dream so you 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 know you can do it and he just went nuts and shot them all and his had a dream where he blew them all away and then never had the nightmare again i love the fight scene because for one i love the scene of the stone stand head rising out of the ground and just like lifting up into the cosmos it's Um, like a video game almost like a boss board in a video game yeah yeah it's it I, I, it actually reminds me a lot of Super Smash Brothers in, in some of those stages. But it's a visually gorgeous scene. But I also like showing how creative they are. And everything they did are very is, is a very them in character. You know, like Zipper is using the laser beam eyes and like Mabel is using like kittens for fist kittens. and like and utilizing her dream boys to use like synthesized music. <laughs> and, and then, you know, uh Seuss did the Care Bear stare. Um, it was all very in character for them. Um, so I, I, I just, I, I love that fight scene. I, it's so good. And we see the return of her hamster ball that she had like in episode two. And, and so it, it's great. Did you have any insights to Mabel and Seuss's greatest fears? Seuss's, I felt like was more of a gag, but I kind of liked Mabel's fear is her, her cuteness. Actually, her cuteness. And I think that's a very valid concern for a, a girl going through puberty. No, that's what that was my first thought is like he just like launched her into she had zits and everything. You actually so, yeah. predicted there would be a zit storyline at some point. Did I? You did. Uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't I wouldn't call this a zit storyline, but there were zits in it. <laughs> yep. Yep. You did say that at one point. It's but... not like a storyline about sentient zits that take over Dipper and Mabel to fight a war with the sentient hairs that are sprouting. What, did you have any thoughts about the end of the episode with Gideon getting the deed to the shack? Yeah, I don't think that's legal, for one. <laughs> I don't think that's how you get property, is just by grabbing the the, the uh, deed. I have a feeling the deed has to be made out to you and stuff like that. I, uh, You know, I mean, in, in reality, it'd be like, there he goes with the deed. Well, let's go down to the county, county court building and get a new one. <laughs> So like you could just—it's not like capture the flag, you know, where you grab the deed and then roll in with the the. But that's the storyline going on here. I mean, our two cops in this in this are not sticklers for legal precedent or anything like that. So, I only had uh, two other little notes. I did like at the beginning showing Wendy just hanging out with the family. I thought that was a nice bit. I kind of like you know this was the first time I actually thought about this. On one hand, it would have been cool to see Wendy to go on the adventure with them. But the other time, like, this is already a very crowded episode, especially yeah. with Franz and Tyler. So it would have just been, like, a really crowded bit. But I, I do at least like watching her, you know, just hanging out with the family. I thought that was a nice little addition there. And the only other thing was, you know, back in the episode Pot- Bottomless Pit, we see Mabel shoot the memory down the bottomless pit. It would have been cool in the opening of Bottomless Pit to see something just like fly by Stan's head and him just being like, whoa, what is that? And then, of no, course, yeah, then we it get just, to this it episode. It goes by him and ra- whacks him in the head and then just keeps falling. He was like, what, what the hell was that? Yeah, because if when we watching this episode for the first time, we'd been like, what is that? And then we would get to this point and we'd been like, oh. And I, I always thought that would have been a nice addition to Bottomless Pit, even 
just for because it, it would have been a, just a quick little bit. Um, and I always thought that would have been like a nice little thing. So that's probably my 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 tiniest gripe of this episode. It has nothing to do with this episode. It has to do with another episode. So um, did you have any other notes before we move on? Let me take a look here. I don't think I do. All right. So are you ready for some journal entries? I am. We have a couple. So we have entries This should from, be pretty interesting. There's a bunch of different ones about Phil. Um, I can't read them all. <laughs> some, some are full of spoilers and some are not. So the first one comes from the author. <clears throat> Something is not right. I am used to hearing his voice in my head on occasion, but now suddenly I hear whispers, the murmuring voices of beasts, the echoing howls of lost souls. This is not right at all. It is almost as if he is contacting others, ghouls from another world. The more I listen, the more I am convinced it is not my imagination. My head throbs. My right eye burns. I heard him say something. He said, the door is open. What have I done? And then when you flip the page, Chris, I'm going to describe this page to you. It's completely scribbled out with ink, except for multiple red eyes. There's multiple codes. And in red, it says, he was a monster. I was a puppet. And then you go to the actual Bill Cipher page. This part is uh, scratched out. And it says... Bill has proven himself to be one of... Sorry, it's kind of hard to read because it's scratched out. Bill has proven himself to be one of the friendliest and most trustworthy individuals that I have ever encountered in my life. What a guy. I honestly couldn't trust him more. Not even in any way. Bill is a true gentleman. That's all crossed out. And underneath it, in red, it says, Bill can't be trusted. I must now reveal his name. Beware, Bill, the most powerful and dangerous creature I have ever encountered. This nightmare in disguise will seduce you with never-ending flattery until he gets what he wants. Um, here we go. What is, sorry, I'm having to skip certain points. Uh, do not summon at all cost. Whatever you do, never let him into your mind. There is no telling what damage Bill might do. How many of my thoughts have been manipulated? Dreams corrupted. My right eye is so sore it bleeds on the page. The cost of letting him possess me. Has he possessed others? According to my research, his deceit can be detected. It is possible to follow the demon into a person's mind and present, prevent his chaos. In order to see who has been possessed recently, one must simply recite this incantation, which is the incantation Bill uh, Dipper reads in the episode. But far more important is to prevent him from entering my mind again. I realize that the only way to do this is to sleep as little as possible. Any moment I close my eyes, he may try to control me again. I may need to resort to drastic measures to stay awake. I'll be damned if I let that demon deceive me once again. And I can't read any more. <laughs> he will be damned. Now he's sound, now it's sounding Lovecraftian, and it's sounding like Bob from Twin Peaks. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all I can read from the author. Very, very Bob from Twin Peaks. Yeah, 
So now we will go to Dipper, and Mabel has an entry too. Um, I will say there is the mildest of spoilers in this one for next week, and it's just where they end up going now that Gideon has the deed. That's the only spoiler, so is that cool if I read that? I'm down. Okay, just making sure. So this is Dipper. We're back from perhaps the craziest, scariest adventure yet. A trip inside Grunkle Stan's mind. We finally encountered Bill Cipher, the strange triangular brain demon mentioned in the journal. Although many passages that seem to reference him are incomplete or ripped out. He was trying to steal the code for Grunkle Stan's brain, and we had to rummage through hundreds of Stan's thoughts to stop him. Some of the stray memories I saw in there that I didn't mention to Mabel are... Stan's bar mitzvah at age 12. His dad seemed pretty upset when he was wearing a Groucher, Groucher Marx glasses to the temple. Grunkle stands celebrating his birthday alone by watching Cash Wheel in a gross hotel and eating unlucky leprechaun cereal out of the box. Apparently, his birthday is June 15th. Who knew? Grunkle Stan getting married? Apparently, he, wet, he wedded a waitress named Marilyn Ro- Rosenstein in Las Vegas for 48 hours. But it turns out she was just trying to steal his car. A true scam artist. Maybe she was the right one for him. Lots of memories of an empty swing set on the beach. What is that about? And this was my favorite one, Chris. I cried when I read this for the first time. Stan teaching young Seuss how to box. Ah! My heart! (laughs) Oh my god. I cried when I read that. I was like, oh my god, Stan teaching baby sis how to box. Ah! Anyway, the most important memory was the one where Stan revealed that he actually cares about me. When I discovered that, it was the booze I needed to take down Bill for good. It turns out that in the dreamscape, you can become anything you want. Me and Mabel decided we wanted to be awesome. We sent Bill packing to wherever he came from and finally managed to escape back to reality. Unfortunately, reality turned out to be much less fun than the, than the dream world. While we were busy in Stan's mind, Gideon somehow got control of the shack. Uh, we have to crash with Seuss and his grandma tonight. Too tired to write much more. Going into someone else's dream doesn't mean that you get to sleep as well. We'll come up with a plan to get the shack back tomorrow. I'm sure Stan has some sneaky plot up his sleeve. And then we go to Mabel. And Mabel writes, I'm pretty tired too, but I can't sleep. After that crazy adventure, and after almost being blown up by a top hat wearing geometric shape, my nerves are all blah. Plus, I'm worried about Gideon. And Abdelowitz's porcelain angels are all looking at me super weird. I just wish I could fall asleep again because I want to have another encounter with my dream boys. And it has a picture of Zyler and Kraz drawn in here. I've seen them in all of the dream boy high movies. And now I've seen them in person or inside a person, namely Stan. Kraz is the cute one. Zyler is also the cute one. I usually associate blue hair with my grandma, but Kraz makes it work. Work it, Kraz. You are rocking that tank top, Zyler. Did not picture Kraz as a drummer. He seems more like a tambourine kind of guy. But the number one instrument he can play is my heartstrings. Meow. I was ready for their visual beauty, but they also smell wonderful. Like baby bunnies dipped in bubble makers with cupcake icing on top. The Dream Boy High VHS tape series was made in the 80s by a company called Good Enough Entertainment. (laughs) 
<laughs> so their animation Sounds was about right. Yeah, I know, right? I, I laughed when I read that. So their animation was sometimes kind of weird. Occasionally, their lip syncing doesn't match with what they're actually sh- saying. But our time together was so short, and I wish I could see them again, but they only appear in dreams. Oh, I guess maybe I should stop writing and start sleeping and dreaming. Here comes Mabel, dream boys! And that is the journals for this week. Yeah, good good enough animation was definitely filmation. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so I'm, before we get into some of these, I have a picture up here, because this is an audio medium and listeners can't see this i put up bill's will as he was leaving stan's mind so this is the zodiac this is the gravity falls zodiac and this is what flashes at the end of every title sequence and you see one two three four five six seven eight nine ten ten symbols it with bill in the center thoughts oh they're all people i mean so you're gonna need 10 different people to do whatever you're gonna have to do with that zodiac symbol, you're going to have to uh, probably at some point they're going to have to either assemble those ten people or have do something to do with everybody on that. So we got to figure out who the other people are. I mean, okay. So let's let's start at the top. Uh, there's a question mark. Who do you think? I I don't know. I I, I mean I think the llama might be Zeus because <laughs> he sort of looks like a llama in a sort of way, but um. You Chris. know the broke the, yes. What's Seuss's shirt? What do you mean? What's Seuss's? Is it a llama? I'm just gonna lay down. What What does Seuss have on his shirt? In this picture? No, just in general, like every single episode. What's on Seuss's shirt? I I couldn't tell you. What is it? It's Bill calls a... them this by name. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I yeah, I I don't remember. Fine. Okay, let's move on. I'd like. Wait, to, okay, no. What is it? I mean, it's not a spoiler. He's. He calls he, he calls Seuss, Mabel, and Dipper very specifically. Pine tree, shooting star, question mark. Oh, okay. Because Seuss has the question mark on his shirt. Oh, okay. So I'll give so you that there, one. There you go. There There's you go. three. Yeah, and and Stan is obviously the fish. Okay. Uh, broken heart could be Stan's ex-wife, maybe. Okay. Or the girl from high school that he's stuck up for. It's hard to say. Yeah, this is what we did in our hiatuses. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, like you're doing exactly what we did in like four to six months. I will say some of these symbols you have seen before, but I won't tell you where or how. Uh, I mean, we've see- obviously seen the hand before, but yeah, I'm sure we have. Mm-hmm. The, the glasses sort of look like the glasses Stan was wearing when he was in his 30s and that the first time we saw him in the time traveling pig. But it could mean anything. That those could be anything. This could okay. be the waitress. They, they they could be the waitress down at the diner that he went on the date with. And, and there's other characters too. Like we have all the teenagers. We have yep. all the townspeople. We have characters like you know we've seen like Gideon, Pacifica. Like it could be you know we have Robbie and the teens. Like I mean there's so many different characters. Like there's right. the Gucket. Yeah, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. So we know we know four. Or at least you know for, because we have pine tree, shooting star, question mark, and of course Stan's hat. So, all right, that's the question. Well, hit me with your, I'm so excited for your speculations and your theories. Hit me. Well, I, I'm, I, I'm just going to sit I, back and listen. <laughs> I noticed the eyes in the trees, so I was like, the eyes in the trees are going to play into something sometime, because they made a big deal out of showing that. That was 
um, I, that's so funny note about this. I meant to say this earlier. I have trees like that in my yard. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so every time I look at those and I take like take go outside and stuff, I'm just like, hey, Bill, what's up? <laughs> like it's kind of like a dumb thing that I still do. So every time I see those, I'm just like, oh, hey, Bill, what's up? Yeah, we got birch trees around here that look like that. Yep, yep, yep. My main theory is obviously whatever is there's there's some important spot uh, the 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 shack is is located on a spot it's an important spot that's why Gideon wants it so I stand probably has his room in the basement but I'm guessing it's gonna get called a vortex it's a, the word vortex will get used at some point or like confluence or something like that but yeah, obviously, obviously, it's it's not the shack that's important. It's that spot. Okay. And that's why that's why it's going to be Gideon's psychic tent. You know, there's going to be something that he can utilize, maybe to fool people into thinking he has psychic powers or something there. But the spot is important. The location is important. That's going to figure into the story. Where do you think Bill fits in with all this? Or do you think this is it for Bill? Like, do you think he's going to be back? No, like... it's definitely not it for him. They wouldn't introduce a character like that and not use him further. They just showed you, like, just this little side of him. So, you know, we're getting into Lovecraft stuff and stuff like the the conspiracy theory of uh, L. Ron Hubbard and Aleister Crowley opening up a dimensional door in the desert in the 60s. And letting in a lot of demons, which changed the course of the world. There's uh, allusions to that in in the new Twin Peaks with the atom bomb opening up doors. To so at some point somebody opened up a door to loose to to I almost did it again to Bill Cipher, and he's gonna plague that area. He's gonna plague a lot of things in it, and somehow the location of the shack is gonna be important to that. Okay, so I just read this, and it seems like the author and Bill have some kind of history together, and they know each other. Where do you think that the author fits in, or does do you think that he's gone? Like, what, what's going on with the with that? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, I don't know. I'm assuming we're gonna find out who he was at some point, maybe, but I don't know. I I don't know if it's necess- we're necessarily going to meet him. Okay. Unless it's like old man McGuckin, and that's why he's he's crazy. <laughs> Had his mind destroyed. He's more like Renfield or something. All right. It would, it would be funny if they turned McGuckin into into a Lovecraftian victim rather than just like the funny old man. <laughs> they t- definitely could do that. <laughs> do you have any other speculations? Nope, that's it. You're wrong. It's the get him guy at all times. <laughs> Get him! Get him! He's really telling Bill to secretly get everybody. That's right. <laughs> All right. Now it's time for the Cypher Corner and connections to previous episodes. Here we go. I'm going to take a drink. Yeah, there's a million of them all over the place in this one. I had to uh, also not put everyone in here because there's just there was a couple that were just like very minor like we were in stan's office again and you see the copy machine from the the clone episode i'm just like that's not important (laughs) so 
Xyler and Kraz first appear in the episode The Legend of the Gobblewonker when Mabel's having a fantasy sequence about being inside a human-sized hamster ball. She was at a stop and they were in a car and she's just like, hey boys, you can look, but you can't touch. And she rolled away and they were like, excellent. So when Gideon goes to summon Bill, his page in journal number two, you see a photo of the negative $12 bill reappear from that was first shown in Irrational Treasure. Stan's time in the Columbian prison was first mentioned in The Hand That Rocks the Maple, and we see this now in his memories. The, as I mentioned earlier, the beginning of Stan's relationship with Carla McCorkle, we see the beginning of it, as previously mentioned, in Boys Crazy. Also, in Boys Crazy, Stan asks Robbie if he's been buying gold. And here, Bill tells Gideon, Buy gold, buy! As he vanishes. Stan's date with Lazy Susan is also shown, as we saw, in Dipper vs. Manliness. Alright, and this was the kicker from earlier, and I actually pulled up this list. In big red letters, I said, Chris, don't ever click on this list. As I said earlier, Bill Cipher has appeared in every episode up to this point. Of course, he's in the image that flashes at the end of the title sequence, but I'm not counting that. He appears in multiple episodes throughout the Mystery Shack, in Windows, in the carpet in the gift shop, um, in front in the A in the Mystery Shack over the main entrance, and these are all in the episode Tourist Trap. In Headhunters, he is in the window of the room that stores the wax figure that melted wax Abraham Lincoln. In the hand that rocks the Mabel, there is a jar on Gideon's desk that holds paintbrushes, and on the jar is a tiny image of Bill. In the inconvenience thing, the window that's under Wendy's hiding spot has Bill on it. In Irrational Treasure, he is on the negative $12 bill where the Eye of Providence would be. In the time-traveling pig, when they first go back in time, Time pauses, and there's an image of Waddle running through playing cards that flee- that freezes. Bill is on the back of one of the playing cards. In Fight Fighters, when they first arrive at the arcade, Bill is on one of the arcade screens. In both The Hand That Rocks the Mabel and Little Dipper, Bill is in the carpet pattern of Gideon's room. In Summerween, when the kids are fighting the Halloween trickster, Dipper grabs a shield, and Bill is on the shield. In Carpet Diem, he's actually in two places. In Candy's makeup, when she holds up makeup tubes, there's a picture of Bill with lipstick and mascara on. And he's also on one of the books called Boy Cray Cray. And of course, in all the episodes that I have not mentioned, he's just hidden around the mystery shack. Bill's been in every episode up to this point. I love it. And there are so many ciphers in this episode. Uh, most of the ciphers are small. Uh, like when they're translated uh, around Stan's mindscape, they say stuff like Mystery Shack or Pit Cola. There's one where the sign is broken off and it says Misty for mystery that's just cut short. So uh, those are just the little ones that are hidden around. Of course, during the end credits, there is the cipher once it's decoded, it says to be continued. But originally, the cryptogram was supposed to say... Next week, Xyler and Kraz's Bodexcellent Radventure, which was so, a reference. Definitely Bill and Ted. Yep. And then in journal number three, uh, the one I just read, there is a code in journal number three for Bill Cipher on his page, and it says, Liar Monster, Snappy Dresser. And crossed out, it says, I honestly couldn't trust him anymore. So, <sighs> 
There we go. You know who's also a bunch of snappy dressers? All your patrons. All my patrons! I just want to take a minute to say hello and say thank you to Gene, the snappy dresser machine. Brian, the dancing machine. Heather, the the standing Harrison Dula machine. We gotta punch a bitch, uh, Heather. Oh my god. Just saying. I saw that tweet that you posted, and yeah, we gotta step the bitch. She knows what I'm talking about. Uh, Billy, who is the rock machine. Lynn, who is my... I guess my stepmom machine. Is that a machine? <laughs> Patrick, who is the squeaky voice machine. Bree, who is the writing machine. Alex, who is also a snark machine, but like in a different kind of way. And Kate, who is the bobby machine. You know what that means. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you for supporting the show. I love you so much. And I couldn't do this without you. Like, honestly, you guys mean the world to me. Thank you so, 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 so much. All right, Chris. We've reached the end of Dreamscaperers. What are your final thoughts on the episode? Yeah, this, uh, this is definitely my favorite episode so far. It's doing the things that I was hoping it was good, that I was sort of like from the descriptions of the show I've heard that I thought it was going to be doing from the beginning. But then I sort of dashed those hopes because I was like, okay, it's going to be more for kids. But no, this gives my brain a little more to chew on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Raises all the stakes and gives my brain something to chew on. I, I like it. I yeah, like I said earlier, like we're we're not going back. Like it's gonna be this for the rest of the show. The only thing that I will say is like when we get to the the shorts, we'll be doing the the seventeen shorts. They're gonna be kind of earlier, but you know they're shorts. They're not like deep, super deep diving or anything. But yeah, like this is the biggest episode of season one. I, the, it's important for reasons, and I will absolutely promise you we will be revisiting this episode again. I promise you we're coming back oh, to I'm, it. Oh, I'm, sh- I, I, I'm sure of it. Yep, 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 yep. All right, Chris, where can people find you? You can find me at 2TrueFreaks.com. That's our website. That's where we keep all the podcasts. That's the website that holds the RSS feeds that you can sign up for at at twotruefreaks.com or on iTunes. You can also find us on Facebook where we have the Two True Freaks podcast page and the Two True Freaks Cantina page. And we are also on the Cursed Twitter. Uh, if you search Two True Freaks, you'll find our Twitter page run by Gene Gene the Podcasting Machine, which like our Two True Freaks podcast page, posts all of our episodes by all of our myriad of podcasts, including the one I do with Hope called J Guys and Jedi, when we're now currently just stepping into season seven of Clone Wars. I, I didn't get it. Gene. <laughs> it didn't feel right. I was like, I know, I, was, I rolled I, right over it. I'm sorry. I know. I, <laughs> I was like, <gasps> and then you kept talking. I was like, uh, 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 song. <laughs> Rolling right over Gene. But that's where they can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? <laughs> of course, this is the animation podcast for geekygirlexperience.com. You can read all my reviews over there. I just finished up, actually, by the time this comes out, it's going to be a while for you guys. But hey, a while ago, um, I finished reviewing up The Owl House. I plan on doing some deep diving over the course of the show because I got some things to say about this show. So good. Um, so you can check out all my writing over at geekygirlexperience.com. Of course, there is the Patreon 
where you can find like behind the scenes content. There's tiers of content on there as well. And that's patreon.com slash geeky girl experience. You can find me on Twitter at Hope Molinex. And of course, Chris said we do have a Star Wars podcast called J Guys and Jedi. And I run the Twitter for that at jguysandjedi.com. Chris, next week is the season one finale. Ooh, the, the first part two. Yeah. No, wait, what? Right. This is there. Was there? There wasn't any other two parters, were there? Was there another two parter? No. Oh, I. I guess this is technically part one of the finale, but these aired different days, so I don't. To, yeah. I don't, well, I'm saying it's to be. Can it was the first to be continued story. Yeah. 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 I see what you're saying, but you want to hear the title of next week's episode? Yes. It's called Gideon Rises. Pretty self-explanatory. And also, there was a month in between this episode and the finale. I hope they turn him into bread and he rises. <laughs> it's his hair. His hair rises. Just gets bigger as he goes. Just... They dump some yeast in it and it expands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, quick question. Where, where do you want to see the finale go? I guess I should have asked you this in your speculation corner, but where, where do you want to see the finale go? Down into Stan's secret room in the bottom of the the shack. Okay. I guess you'll find out next week. I guess I will. And and once we wrap up, um, just a little housekeeping so you know the schedule. Uh, so finale next week. Week after, we're going to do a season one wrap, uh, recap. Then we're going to do all the Gravity Falls shorts. And then we're going to do a special called Chris Makes Hope Watch a Cartoon. So that's going to be fun. Yeah, I know you got the cartoon now, so... I do. I kind of did a little clicking and, like, you know, just looking around on it. I'm like, this looks fantastic. So I'm very excited about that. So, all right, you guys. We'll see you next week for the finale. Bye. Bye. I've been waiting all week to do this episode, Chris. (laughs) I was so excited, like, like, last week when you were, like, explaining Dreamscapers. I'm like... He's going to love next week's episode. I don't honestly forget didn't. That. Don't, don't forget to end the recording. I know, and I'm about to. Um, but I, I actually wasn't sure whether or not you would like Bill. I, I was kind of on the fence. I was like, he's either going to really like Bill as a character or not like him. Yeah, no, he's he's that's right up my alley. <laughs> yeah, I just wasn't sure <clears throat> if it was too much up your alley, like too on the nose. And that's where I wasn't sure. Uh, sometime you gotta watch Twin Peaks. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Real, get the real weirdness. I know. Hey guys, did you know that you were actually two months behind on Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons? My patrons over on Patreon have access to more episodes of this show as well as behind the scenes content. Patreon is a great way for you to support this podcast and my website, Geeky Girl Experience, with multiple tiers of content that you can choose from. If you become a patron, you'll get your name shouted out in the episodes, as well as my never-ending gratitude. You can sign up today at www.patreon.com slash geekygirlexperience. Thanks for listening, I'll see you next time, and I love you guys. Bye!